Hey, what's up, you guys? Welcome or welcome back to Talk Bookish to Me, the podcast where readers gather to chat about books, share recommendations, and of course, chase that five-star feeling. I'm your host, Gwen, and today I am joined by Jordan from the YouTube channel, Sorry, Book Solid. Today's episode is the most ambitious episode of the entire season. It's the big end of the year wrap up where we chat about the best and worst books we read, share nerdy reading stats, and of course, award some bookish superlatives. Hi, everyone. I'm Jordan. Um, I'm so excited to be on this podcast with Gwen. I'm a listener from the very beginning, so this is very exciting. Um, I do have a booktube channel, like Gwen mentioned, it's called Sorry Book Solid. I create some similar to content to Gwen, um, including like reading vlogs. I know that's both that's a staple on both of our channels, um, though I do think we have slightly different reading tastes, um, which I'll get into in this episode, but I think that's um, kind of a fun differentiator. I'm a mom with two young children. My oldest actually just turned two yesterday. Um, and they pretty much run my life, which is understandable and deservingly so. But unfortunately, that means sometimes my reading and my content take a backseat to real life. But I try to include that whenever I can, um, you know, to show the real life parts of being a booktuber or a content creator. Um, but I do love reading so much and creating content around it and the book community. So I don't see myself ever fully stepping away from it. But um, it's been interesting kind of balancing that in the two years that I've been Uh, in this space. Yes, I absolutely love watching your content. I love seeing your kids. She sent me a Christmas card and it's adorable. (laughs) (laughs) I will have links to Jordan's social media in the notes of today's show. So definitely go check her out. Check out our YouTube. Check out our Instagram. You won't regret it. Also, make sure you head over and follow me on Instagram at Talk Bookish Podcast, where I share fun things like bookish games, polls, announcements, including upcoming book discussions, guests, and more fun stuff like that. And consider joining the Night Owls on Patreon for just $5 a month. There's some exciting things brewing for 2022. Jordan is one of my patrons. Thank you so much, Jordan. So she knows that what I'm talking about. Yeah, I can <laughs> she attest. Was one of the first to find out. So yeah, I'm really excited about 2022 and things to come. But I'm also, of course, really excited about this episode. Um, I do love five-star reads. They're, there's just something magical about them. So what's the last five star you gave out? Yes. So I was looking back on my Goodreads and I was actually kind of surprised how long I had to scroll before I got to my last five star. It's been kind of a while. Um, But the last five star book I have is called Ground Zero by Alan Grotz. And it's a middle grade novel about 9-11 that I read in one day actually on 9-11. I listened to the audiobook on Scribd. I thought that would be kind of a fun thing to do to... Uh, you know, remember, but it's a really cool book. Um, Half of it is about this young boy who goes to work with his dad in the World Trade Center on 9-11. And so obviously it follows him through those attacks. But then it also follows a young girl living in the Middle East, more present day, and kind of how those 9-11 attacks have influenced her life. So it was really interesting book getting like both of those perspectives, obviously, as someone living in the U.S., I pretty much only get the U.S. perspective. So it was a really interesting way to get that other perspective. And it was really cool reading it in a middle grade format because it still covered, obviously, very hard-hitting topics, 
but in more of an approachable, you know, easy to digest way. All right. Next question. What book has been on your TBR the longest and why haven't you read it yet? So I will proudly say that my physical TBR is like less than 20 books. So I actually keep my physical books pretty much under control. Uh, But one book that I've had on my shelf for years at this point is Catch-22 by Joseph Heller, um, which is a classic. I don't know a ton about what it's actually about, um, but it's pretty long and it's very intimidating. I think it's like over 450 pages. I hear it's really confusing. Um, I kind of wish that I read it in like a class classroom setting or something somewhere where I could be like walked through a discussion and, you know, make sure I understood all the points of it or something like that. Um, To be honest, I probably wouldn't still have it on my physical TBR if it wasn't my husband's book, but I feel like I can't throw away his book, so I'm going to keep it. And since we have it, I feel like I should read it. So it's just kind of sitting there taunting me. I don't know when I'm going to get to it, Uh, but that's definitely one that I have had for a long time and don't know when I plan to get to it. All right, so this next question is a pick your poison type of question. So you can answer one or the other. What's your favorite book of all time? And of course, you know, I mean, you're still young, so you have plenty of time to pick new ones, but right now, basically. Or who's your favorite author? Um, yeah, when I saw you with this question, I was like, no, when, why? <laughs> like, nobody, nobody wants to answer this question for some reason, either of them. Um, but I'm going to go the favorite author route, because I don't know who can pick just one favorite book. Um, but I'm going to give it to an author that has never written a book that I have not given five stars. Um, and that's Brittany Morris. So admittedly, she's only written two books, but still, I've absolutely loved both of them. Um, she is an author of color who writes young adult sci-fi books um, that contain serious race-related topics, but balances them really nicely with like fun stories and characters that are super entertaining and that I just like devour and have loved. Um, her first book is called Slay, which is about a high school black girl who created and runs her own online virtual reality video game. That one was really fun, and I'd highly recommend it to fans of Ready Player One. Um, her second book came out this year. It's called The Cost of Knowing, and it's about two black brothers who have some special abilities, which I don't want to say what they are because I feel like that kind of spoils it, but they're also going through some really tough stuff in their life as young black men, and they have to kind of come together to get through those. Um, And then our third book is coming out this coming spring. It's called The Jump. All I know about it is that it contains a cryptology competition, which is code breaking. And that sounds so interesting to me. And I'm so excited for that book. Um, But yeah, both of those first two books were easy five stars for me. So I'm definitely picking up anything that Brittany Morris puts out in the future. Nice. That code breaking book sounds right up I your know, alley. I know. <laughs> You're like, and like codes a, and puzzles. And... I know. And I think it's going to be like a modern take on it. All I've really read for code breaking has been like World War II, you know, type stuff. So I'm interested to see what she does with a contemporary like a competition on competition. top of it. I know. I know. Ah. It sounds so good. <laughs> <laughs> that does. You know, I haven't read any of her books, but man, you always make them sound so I know. Good. I talk. <laughs> I know. I talk about some of these books all the time because I just, I think they're so good. And I love shouting out books that I don't hear anything about. So I feel like I have to be the one just like constantly being, you know, like, <laughs> like oh, yeah, by book, the way. <laughs> please listen to me. Trust me. It's so good. <laughs> yeah. I love that. So what are you currently reading? 
Um, so I am currently in the middle of the audiobook of In the Dream House by Carmen Maria Machado. I'm sure a lot of listeners here know that this weekend is Thrill to the Weekend because it's hosted by, uh, you know, your former co-host Jacqueline. <laughs> um, and this is the Buddy Read book for that readathon. It's only like a five-hour long audiobook, so I decided to pick it up. Um, and it's a memoir that this author wrote. I don't know really a ton of how to describe it, but it's like written in a weird way where it uses horror tropes and like a haunted house trope like to tell her memoir very out of my comfort zone but I'm reading it for that readathon obviously um I started last night a magical New York Christmas by Anita Hughes I'm down to like my last like four or five books on my end of the year TBR I did pause and add in in the dream house and one other short little memoir in between the books but I jumped right back in with a Christmas book I'm only 35 pages in so not much has happened obviously other than like setting the scene introducing the main characters who I already adore by the way so the ability to do that in 35 pages I mean that's pretty cool um, in this story there's a struggling journalist who accepts a ghostwriting position for a famous art dealer and as part of the position she's going to be staying in the Vanderbilt suite at the Plaza Hotel in New York City and of course she's like oh my gosh this is so grand this is so wonderful and I've never been to New York City. You just did a reading vlog. Well, it I, started yep. off as a reading vlog, but it ended <laughs> yeah, up being a lifestyle a vlog of your of your trip to New York City. And I was just like, oh, this is so crazy that I'm reading this and now we're, you know, podcasting together. But during this day, she meets um, Ian Westing at the hotel bar, like I think on the very first night or something like that. Assumptions are made, like she makes assumptions about him, obviously. He makes some about her. And the story just takes off from there. It seems like it's going to weave those two parts of the story together somehow. And I'm just really excited. I'm enjoying the writing so far. But like I said, only 35 pages in. Um, so I like recording this podcast episode as my last episode of the year um, because I just think it like caps off a really great reading year. We get to talk about pretty much all your favorite things and the worst things and just kind of like wrap up your reading year. But we are recording early. It's only the 19th of December today as we are recording this. Um, so are there any books that you're still hoping to finish before the clock strikes midnight? So actually interesting that you just gave that preamble because I kind of used this podcast as an excuse to like cut off my reading for this year. So I've decided that after I finish my current read, which I'm hoping to finish today, um, I'm not going to read any new books before the end of the end of this year. And I'm going to use it as um, kind of a, a couple weeks to reread some favorites, which is something that I have never taken the time to do, but I've wanted to for a while now now that I have favorites that are a couple years old I want to revisit them and it seems like a really good time to do it now after I'm speaking my favorites and least favorites out in out into the world and I don't <laughs> have to existence. be worried I don't have to be worried that like I'm gonna read a new favorite and not be able to talk about it so that's what I'm doing I've decided it and I really like that I can use this podcast as like my uh my stop point <laughs> to read any new books no more I'm done and I'm satisfied with that good for you great idea love it um I'm obviously hoping to finish my current read and then I have the final revival of Opal and Nev by Donnie Walton and All Girls by Emily Layden those were two of my most anticipated books of the year um I got the final revival of Opal and Nev um from book of the month and then I pre ordered all girls and that was like an early 2021 release and they've just been sitting around yeah, and then I have two more Christmas books the mistletoe pact by Joe Lovett and an island Christmas by Jenny Colgan so those are still on my TBR 
for the end of the year. I'm hoping, but it's like if I don't finish, I'm like, whatever. You know, I'm not like too like stressed out about it. So I know you guys are probably all wondering, okay, what are your best books? We need to know. And I promise we'll get there. But first I thought let's share some stats. How many books have you read this year so far? I have read 103 books. Um, You just talked on a recent episode about how you always set your Goodreads goal at 52 books. And I do the same thing um, just so I can pretty easily, easily accomplish it. Um, But my stretch goal, like in my mind is usually 100 books. So Mm -hmm. at 103, I've met it. So again, I'm satisfied. I am good with that number. Um, And I saw you had average length in your document. So I put my average length uh, of the books that I've read is 342 pages. I have read and I when I saw the number, I was like, what? I don't think I've Since I've been tracking my reading, I have never read this many books before in a year. So as of right this moment, I have read 182 books this year. That's amazing. And it is a lot. It's a lot. But my average length is 299 pages. I read a lot of novellas. I read Mm -hmm. some graphic novels, comics. Um, The shortest book I read was 10 pages. But yeah, so I've, I've definitely read a lot of short things. I did like a short thriller um, video. I did a short horror, you know, thing. So last year, I thought my average, like my star rating average was a little high. And I tried to be really conscious this year about my ratings. And one of the ways that I did that is I went to half star ratings. Um, but I did that on the story graph. And I haven't gotten all of my end of the year stats from the story graph yet. So I am still going based off of my Goodreads star rating average, which is only whole star ratings. So my average rating is lower than last year. It's 3.4 um, stars for my average, which I think is still really, really good. Actually, mine is also 3.4 stars. So that's kind of fun that we have yeah, the same average rating. I find that kind of interesting because you are much more of a DNFer than me, mm-hmm. um, which we'll get to in a little bit too. But I still find that interesting that our averages still worked out to be about the same because if I'm not loving a book, I'll still push through and finish it and like read it. I don't know if you rate books you DNF, but I thought that was interesting that it it still averages out to be (laughs) the same. Yeah, I do not rate my DNFs. If I DNF it, I just move it onto my DNF shelf and it's over and done with. Um, I don't think I've ever like DNF'd a book like, 200 300 pages in I'm not that type of person like I I DNF within like the first 100 pages yeah um so I feel like I don't know if like maybe there's this huge thing that changes because there's been books that I've read this year that part one is one way and part two is another way and I really like the first part hated the second part or vice (laughs) versa so if I DNF it I do not rate it but how do your books that you push through that maybe you would DNF How do you rate those? Yeah, um, I have very, very few one-star books. So even if it was a book that I would have quit um, or something, I still very rarely rate it one-star because I typically reserve one-stars to books that, like, I would not recommend anybody read. You know, like, it's an objectively bad book. And then two-stars are usually what I give to books that, like, definitely were not my thing, but... I still can see why other people would like it or, you know, somebody else who has that taste. I would still recommend it specifically to them. So I think a lot of the books that I just push through, um, I end up giving like that two star rating and I can say this was not for me. I very much didn't enjoy it. 
but it wasn't a bad book. I would still recommend it to somebody. So I'm going to give it two stars instead of one. You know, that's how I kind of make my distinction. So I think that probably helps my average too, because I have very few actually one star books. What genre did you read the most of? Now I broke mine down because I don't know, do people consider like, I know like on Goodreads they do like mystery thriller is the same category type. Yeah. But in my head, I kind of separate those because I do tend to like thrillers more than mystery books. But sometimes, obviously, the genres kind of cross together. So it really depend if you mix the thriller mystery category together, I read more of those. But if you don't, I read more romance. So I read 57 mystery thrillers and 43 romance. But like I said, if it's separated, I only read 38 thrillers and only 19 mysteries. So and I don't know if that math even is right. But <laughs> there we are. <laughs> yeah, I keep my genres pretty broad in how I record them. Um, I think because again, it's like a subjective thing. Some mm-hmm. one person might read something and be like, Oh, that was super thrilling. And then another person would be like, that wasn't thrilling at all. Yeah. Um, so I, I also group mystery thrillers together. Um, so I read the most of those with 36. Um, and then my second place was contemporary with 27 but I also wanted to note that within contemporary I also don't separate like contemporary and romance because I find that a lot of times like there's almost always a romance in a contemporary book even if it's not the primary um so I I keep my my categories pretty broad as well um but mystery thrillers did come out on top Yay! <laughs> That's my favorite. So what about rereading? I know you said that you're going to be doing that here at the end of the year, but did you reread any books already this year? Yeah. So this year I only reread one book, um, and that was Maybe in Another Life by Colleen Hoover. And that was actually because I was hosting a book club discussion on it. So I reread it, you know, to refresh it in my mind. So other than that, I did no rereading. So I definitely do want to reread some of my actual favorites. This year, I only reread two books. I My first book of the year, I always like to be a reread from like one of my favorites of all time or something I read, you know, the previous year that I really loved. Um, so this year, I reread on the first All Your Perfects by Colleen Hoover. So that's pretty cool. And then The Graces by Lori Evie. Yeah. And also, I just realized I said that was by Colleen Hoover. It's definitely not. Maybe in another life is by Taylor Jenkins read. I must have had Coho on the mind when I was writing that. <laughs> yeah, you probably like saw my answer and you're like, hey, I probably did. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, Colleen Hoover, favorite. Yeah. So Maybe in Another Life by Taylor Jenkins Reid. That was your reread and mine were All Your Perfects um, by Colleen Hoover and The Graces by Lori Evie because that is part of a duology and it had been several years since I read it and I was going into the second book. I was like, okay, let me reread the first book, which I'm glad I reread it because it reminded me how much I enjoyed it and I did not like the second book. And then I know we've already talked about DNFs and you said that you're not often DNFing. So do you keep track of them? Like if you do DNF a book and if you do, like do you have any this year yeah so I have zero that I DNF'd um the only way I would DNF a book is like if I maybe started it on audio or something and then realized I didn't have time to finish it and then just like I just forget about it I don't ever really get to a point in a book where I decide this is not my thing and then like consciously DNF it and say no I'm never gonna finish it it's more just like I I mean, I can't even think of any actual examples. I just think maybe on Scribd one time when I was driving, I clicked on a book or something and then just 
Never got around to finishing it. I don't know if that distinction even makes sense. But no, I have no like conscious DNFs. No, I'm never going to go back to this book. I did not like it. I pretty much always just push through the books I'm reading, especially because I'm a big like want to know the ending kind of person. I always feel like there's a (laughs) chance that the ending of a book will like fully bring it full circle. (laughs) will bring it around and redeem it, which pretty rarely happens. But there's something in me that just always has to push through to that ending to find out. Guys, no, I love to be in that book. (laughs) If I'm not feeling it, I mean, I've got too many other books to read, obviously. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't have time to waste my time. So I only, but saying that as much as I talk about DNFing and how I'm like this DNF queen, and if I'm not like, I'm just going to put it down, like why waste my time? I only DNF'd 13 books. And of those books, like I did do a video about my DNFs this year. And you could see like I, some of the books I knew the page number I stopped on. But if I read you know, 100 pages, let's say of each of these, which I know I didn't. Some I was like DNF on page 30, DNF on page 40, you know, DNF on page 70. Let's say I read 100 pages of each of these. That's only, you know, 1300 pages. That's like three books. So I mean, I'm not sad about it. The moment you guys have been waiting for the ranking of our best and worst books that we read this year. And at the end, we'll be awarding some superlatives. So make sure that you stay tuned for those. We're going to start with our worst books and then we will move into our best books. Now my worst, I didn't really like rank my worst books because they all just kind of sucked. But (laughs) now my favorites, I did rank them like this is my fifth favorite. This is my fourth favorite and so on did you kind of do the same thing um yeah I mean it's hard to rank worse especially because some of mine are not necessarily bad they're just disappointing to me Mm -hmm. so they really stuck out um so yeah my favorites are definitely in more of a, a countdown so what were your five worst books or most disappointing books like you said of the year okay so I guess the first one I will mention is not a terrible book. It just was a huge disappointment to me. Um, And that's White Smoke by Tiffany D. Jackson. I've read all of Tiffany D. Jackson's books up to this point. I really enjoyed them all. I was so anticipating this one. Um, It's a young adult. um, I I think a lot of people are classifying it as a horror, but again, kind of a mystery thriller vibe about this young girl who moves into a new house with her family. And some weird things start to happen that make her think it's haunted. um, And then it goes into some other directions yeah. <laughs> uh, it, it it just disappointed me it it I thought the pacing was weird it would go from like a really creepy moment in the house to all of a sudden she's off doing something with her friends completely unrelated like it turned the vibe on its head and it just felt really disjointed to me um, and in the end the story wasn't anything satisfying to me or interesting to me so uh, this is one of those ones where like I gave it two stars because I don't think it's a bad book. I think it's fine. And some people I know really did love it. I just love Tiffany D. Jackson so much. And I was so anticipating this one. As soon as I think I saw it on Gwen's Instagram that this was released, I was like, oh my gosh, what am I doing? I need to go buy it. So I went and bought it and I read it like that weekend. Jordan and I actually read this book at the same time. Yes. And because she saw it and then I was like, okay, let's read it right now. And because we were both looking forward to it because I had been hearing like rave reviews. And unfortunately for me, now I know Tiffany D. Jackson is like one of your favorites. She has a whole video on our YouTube channel. Go check it out. (laughs) But I know she's like one of your favorite authors. And I was, you know, like, okay, this is going to be the one. This is going to be the one because I'm always hoping I'll find that one. Um, 
but not yet. I will keep picking up books by her, but this one, unfortunately, was just kind of a, a dud that I'm going to forget. <laughs> I'm going to try to forget it. But the least. cover, though. I know. The cover is so good. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So good. All right. Um, so my next on my list um, is Imposter Syndrome by Kathy Wang. This is a book that I picked up through Book of the Month, and it was one that I had never heard of. Um, and I read the synopsis, and I was like, oh, my gosh, that sounds so good. So it's about a woman who is a Russian spy who's made her way up to COO within an American tech company. And then it's also about this Chinese American woman who works at that same tech company, but she's at like an intro level position. So that's two women at the same company, two very different levels. And I was really hoping and the synopsis made it seem like it was going to talk about like women in STEM and gender inequality in the workplace. Um, imposter syndrome is the name of the book. And those are all topics that I have like really close relationships with. And I was so excited to see a book discuss all of that, but it had like none of that. It just was the most, I don't know, like bland story. Um, it, it didn't have those discussions or anything. I wasn't rooting for either of those women. So I didn't really understand what was the point of saying you're going to cover all these topics and then not do that, and then not make the women likable. Like, this is the opposite of a women empowerment book, which right. is what I was looking for. So um, that was super disappointing. And I don't even know who I would recommend it to, because it didn't do anything it said it was going to do. I don't, I, it didn't do anything. It just didn't go anywhere. So that was really disappointing. Um, again, I try to read books that seem to get less hype. Um, and I was hoping this would be one of them that I would just like sing its praises, but mm-hmm. it was really disappointing. I mean, if anyone has recommendations of like what this book sounds like that actually did it well, I would love to read that because I don't know of a ton of actually either contemporary or science fiction type books that have to do with like women in the STEM industry. Okay, my next book on the list is Leave the World Behind by Ruman Alam. This is it's pitched as like a mystery thriller. Um, it's a very short book. It's about this family, um, two parents and two kids. They live in New York. I think they live in New York City, but they go to upstate New York to stay in like an Airbnb for a little family getaway. And then something happens to New York where like power goes out, things start getting weird, like apocalypse not really sure what's happening. Um, the owners of the Airbnb come back to the house and are like, hey, weird stuff is going on out there. We wanted to come home. And it's, the way it's pitched, it seems like it's going to go from there and be like, do we trust these people? Or if we do trust them, like it's all of them fighting against this apocalypse. Or like, it seems like it's going to go somewhere from there and be a fun, interesting mystery thriller. Um, but after that happens, and all of that's in the synopsis, literally nothing happens. It was so confusing. I, I don't know if you've read this one, Gwen, yes. <laughs> but it's like, what? And nothing is explained. Like, you don't find out what actually happened. It takes place within, like, a couple hours. So, yeah, you don't get any of that follow-up. And, like, weird things kind of happen to them. Like, this, there's this weird noise that happens. But, but we never find out it. what that is. <laughs> Strange books. I'd recommend this. If you don't mind ambiguous endings, I'd yeah. recommend this one. But if you it's want a like, plot... Maybe oh skip God. this one. Yeah, it's like it's it's like it was a four hundred page book that just the second half got chopped off mm-hmm. and then just never seen again. Like it's like it hits all the setup and then just nothing happens. <laughs> yeah, like, I'm tired of writing. I'm gonna stop. Here. <laughs> yeah, big bummer. Um, the next one on my worst list, second to last, I have After by Anna Todd. Um, 
So I will say that I really respect how this book came to be published. And for those who don't know, this is a fan fiction book that was written on Wattpad, like the website. Um, so it was never intended necessarily to be published as an actual book, but it just caught fire on that platform. And like so many people read it and raved about it that it became published as an actual physical book. It ended up being adapted into a movie. It's a series. Um, so I think that's really cool that like people can, you know, speak with their readership and like vote it with their readership and promote a book so much that it actually becomes published. That's so cool. And it I is. respect that. And, you know, people who love this book, I think that's awesome for them. For me, it just, I mean, I called it objectively bad in my review. Like, I don't think the writing was good. I don't think the story was good. It very much read like a fan fiction, mm -hmm. which it is. Like, I, I, it is. I can't knock it for that, you know. But it was just very, you know, this is a teenage girl's daydream. And I felt like I was reading it, and it just wasn't for me. Yeah. Um, so, unfortunately, not my thing. Not going to continue with it. Last book, which if I was going to rank them, this probably would be my worst book of the year. Um, is called A Touch of Jen by Beth Morgan. This, I think, is supposed to be a horror book, and I don't read a lot of horror, so I don't really know, but it seems like a lot of horror does have, like, a slow pace to it sometimes. Um, this definitely had a slow pace. This is a book about this couple, this boy and a girl, who are in a relationship together, but they have this collective obsession with a different girl named Jen, and they, like, stalk her social media they send her posts to each other. Like they talk about Jen to each other and how much they're obsessed with her to each other. So it's this very weird dynamic between this couple. Um, and it sounded like this book was going to go further into that and talk about, uh, you know, like online stalking and the dangers of social media and things like that, which I thought would be really cool. But it didn't. It went in a very weird, very different direction that I don't want to spoil because again, it seems like there's an audience for this. For oh, the, man. Like, weird <laughs> horror. Um, but it's weird. I don't know if Gwen, you want me to spoil it for you offline. <laughs> I <but> do. <laughs> because this was actually one of the books that from the synopsis, it was like one of my most anticipated books of the year. I was like, it sounds so cool. Like you said, like a stalking story, like this yeah. couple's obsessed with this girl. They're like, I'm thinking it's going to be like a you situation, you know, yeah. Caroline Kepnes, but yeah, I thought that too. But it took a very weird turn. Um, it had a twist halfway through it that it took me like three pages to even realize that that twist That's just the happened. Worst. So it took so it took away the total shock factor of the twist. Like I read it and was like, "Oh, is this what you're saying is happening? Like, is that what just happened within those three pages?" It wasn't like. <gasps> Oh my gosh, like what a twist. Thing worse than when you're reading a book and the twist does not land. Then everything after that twist in this book just goes off the rails in a way that I did not vibe with. So the book is one of the ones that I rated one star because Whoa, I just don't, guys. I don't get it. Like what <laughs> even is that? So I if we go know. back to what she said about one stars, nobody should I don't this. recommend it. I don't recommend it. <laughs> um, I'm pretty glad that I'm not like, angry about them yeah. I'm just confused about some of them mm -hmm. um, and I can appreciate that they just didn't work for me just not my thing gonna move right along <laughs> yeah all right so jumping into my worst I had to put 
these three Christina Lauren books all together because they all deserve to be on this words list. I love Christina Lauren. I have literally loved and enjoyed pretty much every single thing they have written. Now, these are their first three books. And I am so happy I did not start here because I probably would have been hesitant after these three books to read anything else by them. I mean, I think you read three books by an author and you're kind of like, I'm done. They're not for me. So I'm so glad that I didn't start with these, but it's Dating You, Hating You, My Favorite Half Night Stand, and Roomies. I, they're all like things that objectively I would normally like. I love rom-coms. I love enemies to lovers. I love friends to lovers. I love marriages of convenience. And that's what all three of these are. And I hated all of them. They all got two stars from me. All of them. It's funny because the one that um, when I first heard of them as an author, uh, or they're actually an author duo, but when I heard of this author, I heard about Roomies. Roomies got really, really big. And it just, I was just kind of like, oh, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not one to really branch out that much and pick up new <laughs> authors. I usually stick to ones that I love. And I was just like, okay, you know, maybe one day, but then something else came out by them and I picked that up and I was like, oh my gosh, I really like this. So these were the last, you know, few books that I read by them. And I was just like, cause I want to, I was like, I want to complete their backlist, you know? And I was just like, after I read the first one, I was like, whew, that was disappointing. I hope the next one's better. And then I was like, whoa, what, what's happening? (laughs) What's happening? (laughs) It was just, it was a train wreck from there, you guys. But I have a whole vlog about it. (laughs) If you're interested in my full in-depth thoughts. Um, The next one, oh, it hurts my heart so much that I have to tell you guys this. (sighs) Remember that podcast episode last year? I was like, oh my gosh, The Marriage Pass by Brianna Cole. Oh my gosh, gorgeous cover. <laughs> the synopsis oh, sounds amazing. <laughs> I was raving about this book to everybody. I made Jacqueline pick it up and buy it. I was like talking about this on my YouTube channel, my Instagram, the podcast several times. Like I was pre-raving <laughs> about this book. Like it's going to be the best book of the year. <laughs> what happened? <laughs> this book, I'll tell you what happened. It needs some major edits. That's what happens when I guess like, you know, indie published. I love supporting indie, you know, authors, indie publishing. But this one is a no because the editing was so bad that I could not enjoy the story objectively. I couldn't say, okay, I had to read that sentence 14 times to figure out what it meant. But it and it's a short book, so I should have flew through it. But oh no. And yeah, cover gorgeous. I would love for them to re-edit it and maybe release it again, maybe under a different name, a different cover. I don't know. But because I do think that it was an okay story. But man, as it is right now, no. Mm -mm. So let's just, we're taking that off the record. I never said it was going to be awesome. (laughs) All right. Another one of my most anticipated books of the year Makeup Breakup by Lily Menon. This is a hate to love. It deals with like dating apps and breaking up apps. And it's supposed to be the rom-com of the year. No, it is way more about the apps. And there is, I mean, there is romance in it. You know, I mean, happily ever after and all that. Great. But the amount that they talked about the apps, they should have like, marketed this as a contemporary story I think and then it had like the little slice of romance in it but it was way more about the apps in depth about 
the making of the apps, the process that they went to get there, this convention for the apps because they're trying to get this grant. And I was just like, I don't care. I don't care Maybe about the I stupid like apps. They're one. made up. Okay. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> so, yeah. So, that was it not sounds- good. It sounds like something I would actually like more than you, knowing right. both of our Maybe. readings. Because I would love hearing about the app. And the cover is gorgeous. It has a teal cover mm-hmm. with the pops of pink. Ugh. But yeah, I, I unhauled it because, yeah. All right. Next one. I wasn't planning on picking this up, but I kept hearing rave reviews. The Drowning Kind by Jennifer McMahon. All right. Little history lesson. Last year in October, I picked up The Winter People. And I picked that up because I had heard about it in the horror community. And they were like, oh, Jennifer McMahon, she's so awesome. And so I picked it up. I did a try a chapter tag with it. You know, read the first chapter. And I I wasn't really feeling it. But I was like, okay, let me give it a little bit more. Because like you said, some horror starts a little slow. So I started reading it. I was like, I just can't do it. And I didn't understand why, but I just DNF'd it last year and okay, whatever. And then here we come again with Jennifer McMahon, but everybody's raving about this. Even people that don't normally read horror were really, really raving about this one. So I was like, okay, there's hope. Picked it up and I figured out what it is. I don't like her writing. (laughs) No offense. It's not for me. Loads of people love this book. For me, it's a no. Um, The two books, The Winter People and The Drowning Kind, have both been dual timeline. And I have seen that a couple of her other books are. I don't know if they all are. Um, But I really don't like that. I don't like her descriptions that she uses. And in this particular book, uh, it's, like I said, dual timeline. And it's about this body of water that, you know, in two different timelines, there it's two different things. But how they describe this water, one is like this, it's the same body of water. But one is like, oh, it's this miracle water. So they're like drinking it and bathing in it and you know, all of this. And then in the later timeline or the more present timeline, um, it's like this swimming pool out on this estate. And, um, and weird things are happening around this body of water. And it's like this swimming pool. But they talk about how like, dirty and dark and black this water is and I'm like you need to clean your pool I mean that's the whole I'm literally thinking this the whole time and then they go into detail about how they can't touch the bottom and they're trying to measure to the bottom and and I'm like it's a swimming pool (laughs) drain it (laughs) clean it out (laughs) I just so I couldn't be logical yeah I was like no like this make I'm not drinking this water I'm not swimming in this water I'm not stepping near this water I don't get it so because I had that block in my head I was just like "Mm -mm, mm -mm." and I wasn't interested about the miracle water I don't care (laughs) and yeah so that was that one (laughs) and the last one I actually wrote it on here it's Beasts of Extraordinary Circumstance by Ruth Emmy Lang. And this was an old book of the month book, a few years old, but I picked it up at the book exchange. I always am looking for book of the month copies because, you know, they're supposed to be these curated great books. Um, And to be honest, I don't know what the heck I read. It was really long and I would have to literally look it up and tell you a synopsis because none of it made sense to me. So we're just going to leave it at that. Wasn't a good book. And we're going to talk about what I did. I asked on Instagram at Talk Bookish Podcast for you to share your best and worst. And some of your worst books were 
leave the world behind. So don't there you, you know validate I am justified. <laughs> yes, I do. That feels great. So the same book that Jordan said. <laughs> Thank you, everybody. <laughs> yes. Um, Behind Her Eyes by Sarah Pimborough. And I think that that probably made the list because the Netflix show came out. So I think a lot more people were like picking it up. Yeah, um, no book. one gets out alive and survivor. And I forgot to write the authors, but you know who you are. They were your worst <laughs> books. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, I should look those up. Let me let me look real quick. Okay, no one gets out alive is by Adam Neville, and Survivor is by J.F. Gonzalez. Okay, so I had a lot of best books. The Silent Patient by Alex Michaelides. Um, Good Night Beautiful by Amy Malloy, Layla by Colleen Hoover, Meet Me in Paradise by Libby Hubsh. How do you say that? Hubsh- no idea. Hubsher? Yeah, it's H-U-B-S-C-H-E-R. The Gone World by Tom, another name, I am not sure. Sweaterlights? <laughs> yes. I, I'm really not sure. <laughs> um, S-W-E-T-E-R-L-I-T. S-C-H, Gone to See the Riverman by Christopher Triani. And this is one that I also have. I I don't have a copy of it, but it's on my wish list and I really do want to read it. That's the one that Marcy always raves about. Mm. The Last House on Needless Street by Katriana Ward. In the Scrape by James Newman. Local Woman Missing by Mary Kabika. I was let down by that one. Project Hail Mary by Andy Weir. In My Dreams, A Hold a Knife by Ashley Winstead. <clears throat> Who put that on that list? Things have gotten worse <laughs> since we last spoke by Eric LaRocca. The Plot by Jean Hans Korlitz. The Push by Ashley Aldrain. Shipped by Angie Hockman. And People We Meet on Vacation by Emily Henry. Favorite okay. book of the year. My favorite. Okay. Yay. <laughs> I'm so excited to rave about them. So my number five um, is called Don't Breathe a Word by Jordan Taylor. A couple of things to preface. I'm going to throw you off a little bit here, but hold on. I'm going to reel you back. It's a young adult mystery thriller, which I know so many of you guys are like, no, I don't read those. I'm out. <laughs> Just hold on. Okay. <laughs> so I read this book knowing nothing about it. I actually read it because the author has the exact same name as me, spelled the same way and everything. I spell my name with a Y. Um, so this is about um, a girl who is at a boarding school and she's going through the process of joining a secret society which is a pretty standard plot, like nothing special there. And then there's a second timeline about a girl at the same boarding school 60 years earlier who was a volunteer to test out the school's nuclear fallout shelter, and then things go crazy from there. And let me explain why I enjoyed it, despite being a young adult mystery thriller, because I also am kind of of that camp of like, if it's young adult, I'm probably not going to like it. Okay. But... Number one, it felt high stakes, which is one of the things that I feel like young adult books in general don't always do because very rarely is a young adult person in an actual life or death situation. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Um, But these teenagers in this book do face actual danger to their lives, which really heightens the stakes. um, And it felt believable to me. There was a lot of tension, you know, great creepy vibes in this boarding school. Which is really fun. Which brings me to number two. The boarding school setting really took this like to that next level. Um, because it's a boarding school, I feel like it takes away another question I often have reading young adult mystery thrillers. Which is like, where are the parents? Right. Like, shouldn't the parents be there, you know, taking care of their children? Right. But the fact that they're at a boarding school makes it a little bit more mm-hmm. believable that they could get, you know, into this trouble. Um, and then number three, I just feel like the storyline is 
super unique and original. Um, I don't feel like it's a book I've read a hundred times over, which happens a lot, I think, to us mystery thriller readers where it's like, all right, I've already read that twist. I've already read that plot. I know where this is going. Um, This did something different, again, because it has that nuclear fallout shelter drama happening. Um, That that storyline in particular really intrigued me the whole time. Um, So it just felt really unique and interesting to me. I thought the ending was satisfying, flew through it because it's young adult. It was really quick, you know, and easy to read. So altogether, I would recommend this book, even if you're not a young adult mystery thriller reader, I feel like you should give it a chance. If nothing else, it'll be fun and entertaining. But to me, it obviously stood out as one of the best books of the year because it was just so different and so entertaining and just something that I had been like craving. I just wanted something, you know, different, something that hooked me. And this totally did it. So that's my number five. I am going to have all of the books that from our best and our worst list. I'm going to link those in the notes of today's show. So you will remember these and be able to look these up. Maybe I should only link the best because you guys need to avoid the worst. (laughs) But this one actually does sound really, really good. I don't read a lot of YA anymore, but I'm definitely going to check if my library has a copy. All right. So I'm kind of surprised. Now, when Jordan and I were talking about the episode, I was like, Jordan, I'm struggling over here with ranking these books, girl. I don't know. I was like, should I reread like three books to decide where they (laughs) fall on this list? And she's like, you do what you got to do. Okay. So... I mean, this is really, really hard, you guys, but I honestly feel like I really narrowed it down. And I think these, my ranking at least is going to be kind of shocking. Um, So my fifth favorite is People We Meet on Vacation by Emily Henry. I'm so shocked. It's like this low on my list, I guess you could say, but (laughs) I loved this one. Now I liked Beach Read from last year. Um, That was like one of my favorites, but I liked this one more. Um... It was a friends to lover situation. And what's so great about this one, a lot of people complain about friends to lovers romances because they don't really see the friendship. They're like, okay, we're told that they were friends, but like, where's the friendship? You know, like, I don't see it. But in this one, the cool part is, is that for over a decade, Poppy and Alex have been taking these summer vacations with each other for 10 years. And you get to see, I mean, obviously not the whole vacations, but you get to hear about the highlights of each of those vacations and you actually get to feel like, yeah, these two characters actually genuinely did have a friendship. And then you hear about something like, ooh, something happened, you know, recently and now it's not looking so good for them. And then Poppy invites Alex like, hey, let's, you know, go on this like one last vacation and just their personalities. I loved Poppy and Alex. Um, I loved them together. I loved their friendship. I loved the summer vibes. And I felt this one was more summery than Beach Read, which is so interesting that it was named that. Um, But yeah, I I loved this one. It was so good. Yeah, I read that one this year too. And it didn't quite make my favorites list, but I did really enjoy it. And again, I'm not a huge rom-com lover, but I thought it was really fun. And for me, it kind of scratched the itch that I didn't know I had for like travel, like actual travel, Mm -hmm. because, you know, I haven't gone on a vacation like most of us in many years. And so it was really fun to like go on vacation through them and to feel like, ah, refresh, like on the beach. I haven't been there in a long time. This feels so nice to read about. Um, My number four favorite book this year is Never World Wake by Marisha Pessel. 
And I was just looking up the year. So this is a couple years old. It was written in 2018. Um, but this is a young adult, I guess, sci-fi book um, about this group of teenagers who are together for this weekend, and they end up in a situation where they're repeating the same day over and over again until they do this thing. Um, and I think it's the best if you don't know much more than that going in. I think it spoils if you know, you know, why they're in that situation and whatnot. Um, but to me, this was really, really fun. Again, who knew I was such a young adult lover? I mean, I don't read that many young adult <laughs> books, but I always find myself um, like when it's a good one. I, I don't know. I just really attach to the characters. And I think I just root for them because I know they're, you know, at an age where uh, they're figuring stuff out. And this one also kind of dives into that of like, where these teenagers are in their lives and their friendship together. And they're kind of at this transition point um, and they're making decisions and finding things out about themselves. So I really like this one. I have also read Night Film by Marisha Pessel mm -hmm. and that was a huge letdown. So I'm really glad I gave this one a chance this year because it was much more up my alley in terms of science fiction. Um, if you like that Groundhog's Day trope um, or story, I think you would like this. Next up, another romance, nobody's surprised. Number four on my list, Second First Impressions by Sally Thorne. And oh my gosh, you guys, this one just makes me blush every time I think about it. I read this in October, <laughs> middle of spooky season, and I ate it up. It is so wholesome and cute. This one, oh man, okay. And I have a love-hate relationship with Sally Thorne, to be completely honest. Loved The Hating Game. I've only read it once. I'm scared to go back and reread it, to be completely honest. Hated. And I mean, I hated. I gave one star to 99% mine. But this one is my favorite Sally Thorne book. Second First Impressions is about this um, woman named Ruthie Madonna. And she has worked at the front desk at the Providence Luxury Retirement Villa for six years. She's dedicated her entire adult life to caring for the villa's residents, maintaining the property, and guarding endangered tortoises that live on the villa's like gardens and stuff. And my favorite animal is sea turtles. So I, even though it's not sea turtles, I was just like, oh my God, it has turtles. <laughs> so I was loving it. Now, somewhere along the way, she's forgotten that she's still young and beautiful and single and that there's a world outside of work. But then, of course, you know, we got to have the love interest pop in. And that is the son of the property developer. And he has just acquired the retirement center. So for a time, he's going to be staying um, living at the retirement villa. They have like uh, people that work there. They have like boarding for them, I guess. Like, And so Ruthie and this guy, they live and work at this retirement villa and it's their romance, but it's so much more than that. It goes into like just the retirement villa and there are these two ladies <laughs> at the retirement villa that are just, they're hilarious. They just made me laugh the entire time. It's great. There's tortoise drama. It's just, oh, I just, oh, I cannot stop thinking about it. It's so tortoise drama. cute. So cute. So if you're looking for like a funny, you know, I mean, it sounds weird. You're like, really? Retirement Villa Gwen? Seriously? Yes. Go check it out. <laughs> it's so cute. <laughs> uh, 
Okay, my number three favorite is one I briefly mentioned earlier. It's The Cost of Knowing by Brittany Morris. So again, this is a book about um, two black brothers. Um, I think they're like high school age-ish. One might be a little bit older. Um, They're in a really difficult situation in their lives. They've kind of grown apart. Um, And then to kind of hook you guys, the sci-fi element, um, one of the brothers has this ability to whenever he touches an object he can see like slightly into the future of what happens to that object um and something happens where he sees something life-altering you know something that he really doesn't want to happen and so these two brothers then have to you know kind of rekindle their relationship and figure out how they're going to deal with that thing happening um and move forward with it so it sounds pretty intense, I guess, when I put it that way, but there is a lot of heartwarming moments in this book where it's those two brothers banding together. I feel like there aren't a lot of books, at least that I've read, where it's two black boys showing their sensitive sides and like coming together to, you know, have a better brother relationship and work towards fixing something together. So it was really heartwarming and it was something I haven't read before. Um, It had fun moments. It has a lot of sad moments. So if you like emotional stories, I would recommend this one. If you like mostly contemporary, but like a touch of sci-fi, I would recommend this one because it's just that little element they're in otherwise the completely normal real world. Um, So I loved it. It was an easy five stars and I mean, I don't have much more to say about it. I feel like it's it just speaks for itself. Like, it's just such a good book. It just touched me, and I'm going to think about it. Like, I actually think about that sci-fi piece, like, all the time. I'm like, oh, my what goodness. What if that happened to me? Like, how would I live my life, you know, oh, with that I ability? Oh, I love books like, like that. You know? That make you, like, yeah. question, like, well, what would I do in that situation? Exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Very cool. All right, next on my list, this might be surprising. Again, like, I think just this ranking people are going to be shocked by because I, this is a book I have raved about all year. I always talk about this book. I always recommend this book, The Push by Ashley Aldrain. I don't know what it was about this book. I loved the cover. I did get it from Book of the Month. Um, I'm glad I read it early in the year. Like, I read this when it released. Like, the month that it released, I read it, which is unheard of for me, apparently. And as I'm reading this book, I'm like, okay, this is this is a good book. I'm enjoying this book, you know? Like, okay, I've never read anything like this. This is pretty cool. But then I got to that ending, though, and I was just like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe it. Like I was dying and I and I cannot stop thinking about this book. You have a mom that is determined to be the warm, comforting mother to her daughter, Violet, that she never had. So she didn't have the best, you know, mom. And then her mom didn't seem to have the best mom. And you kind of do get all of these different timelines a little bit. So you know kind of what she was up against. Um, But in the thick of the early exhausting motherhood days, I have no idea. Jordan knows all about those. Um, She becomes convinced that something is wrong with her daughter. And that she's not acting like most other children that she's like observed and been around do. And she starts like questioning herself like, is this all in my head? and she talks to her husband about it and he has a fine relationship with Violet like everything's fine um and she even sees like her daughter obviously interacting with the husband and like the her mother-in-law and all this and she's like she doesn't act like this with me you guys but everybody's telling her like it's fine you're imagining it you're tired you're exhausted she goes to the doctor and 
I mean, it's crazy. So her fears are dismissed, but she keeps, you know, worrying about this, that she starts to begin to question her own sanity. And the more we begin to question what she's telling us about her life, about her backstory, about her daughter, and that's all I really want to say. So it really is focused on like a mother-daughter relationship, motherhood in general. I would suggest looking up trigger warnings for this book because it definitely has some. I usually do tell you guys if I think that there is a trigger warning, but I'm going to avoid that in this case. But if you are interested, please go look it up because it's pretty heavy. I also read this book and I won't say much because I also don't want to step on anything with the content. Um, But I think it's really cool that this book is hitting so many people because it seems like it's such a personal book. Like it kind of affects each person different. And I love that you loved it, even as, you know, not a mother about a book that is so focused on motherhood. Mm -hmm. Um, That's pretty cool when a book can do that, you know, with an experience that you maybe haven't experienced or can't directly relate to, but can still feel the feelings that this person is feeling. Um, For me, it was a little, I don't know, too close to home, or it was just a little bit too close to like, my actual fears as a mother, too. I think, you know, something in that just took away from enjoying the book. And it was more just like, okay, yep, that's real. Like, this is making me stressed, (laughs) you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) So I guess I would say that, you know, if you are a a mother or if specifically like young children, this book follows when the children are pretty young. So maybe once you've gotten past that, like it does trigger that a little less, but she's right. Look into trigger warnings if you have concerns, but it's a, it's a cool book nonetheless. Number two, this We're getting there, the guys. We're getting oh there. Oh, my gosh. Like, I, I'm excited about my number one. It's my number one for a reason. But, like, my number two, I'm going to go on a little bit of a rave about. So this book is called Subcutanean by Aaron A. Reed. This is a book I had never heard about before picking it up. I'd never seen anyone talk about it or anything. Um, it's probably the coolest book I've ever read. Oh, so wow. So the synopsis is okay. So the book is about two boys who are – or two, I guess, young men who are in college – they discover that the basement of the house that they live in has a never-ending basement. Like, doors just lead to more rooms and more hallways, and it never ends. They keep going through doors, and they keep seeing more basement. Oh, weird. Um, and it turns into, like, a multiple universes parallel reality type story. Okay. So if you like those, you'll probably like this. It is kind of, I guess, run-of-the-mill in synopsis. But what makes this book amazing is how it was published. So basically, every time that this book is printed, the story changes slightly. So anything from like changing words here and there to entire scenes could be changed from copy to copy of this book. That is so Which is wild. wild. Like, that's never, I've never heard of anything like that. But isn't it cool? Because like, imagine publishing a book, right? And then Or even when you're writing a book and you're like, oh, I could make the scene go this way or this way. And then like, you're like, well, I can do that. The next time it goes to printing, I'm just going (laughs) to rewrite that scene. (laughs) I mean, yeah, it's kind of like has an element of like, choose your own adventure kind of, even though the reader isn't choosing it, but it's like going on a different adventure. And I like, there was this aha moment where I, I can't remember if I read a review that said this or if I thought of it on my own. I probably didn't. But, like, how cool that the way the book was written parallels what the book is about because it's, like, alternate reality. Like, in one universe, 
this is what happens. In a different universe, this is what happens. And it's the same thing. Like, in one version of the book, this happens. In another version oh, of the book, that is this so happens. It's so crazy. cool. It changed the way I thought about, like, science fiction books or just, like, books in general. Like, there are no rules, you know? You can do whatever you want. That's so cool. Oh, my gosh. That um, is so cool. So, okay. <laughs> so, I remember this now. I remember you talking about this. Okay. So, have you, like, gone and looked up, like, Googled, like, I need another edition of this book so I yeah, can Yeah. So, it's, what's cool is, so, actually, if you buy the book, in the back of the book, it says, since you bought this book and you have your own copy, you can actually send an email to this email and they'll send you a digital copy of a new version so like you can see the differences i haven't read that copy yet Mm because i feel like it's going to be really hard to pinpoint the actual differences of a whole entire book right Mm -hmm. but then what's also cool is in the back of the book it does say generally it doesn't tell you what changes in other books but it tells you like this book changes all versions are different your version this happened and this happened and this happened. So like you can infer from that, that in other versions, those are different. So it doesn't tell you what it did instead. It just gives you a little bit of an idea. I might just have to buy the book. Like even if I don't plan on reading it, just so I have one, you know, so if someone (laughs) else needs my version. Then you can tell me what, and and each book has its own, I think it's called a seed number or something. Um, And I have mine on Goodreads, like, which one I actually read. But I also feel like it would be such a cool book if you could somehow work it out to, like, if you were in a book club, like, get different people to read different seed numbers. And then in the book club, you could talk about, like, what happened. And you could hear other people's versions and be like, wait, that didn't happen in my book, you know? And I mean, how cool is that? A permutational novel, which I Googled, and this is the only book that comes up, so it doesn't seem... Like, it's a widespread thing. Um, But again, if anybody knows of more like this and wants to recommend them, that would be awesome. But if you haven't heard of it before and it does sound cool to you, I recommend it. It's pretty cool. Another book of the month pick. I read this one in the summer, Razorblade Tears. Okay, and I'm just going to say this one and my number one pick, I was literally like flipping back and forth. So guys, this book is so amazing. (laughs) So Razorblade Tears by S.A. Cosby. Man, this book, I did not know what to expect. I would not have picked this book at all from Book of the Month. Um, Because I read the synopsis and I was like, eh, it doesn't really sound that great. Like, okay, whatever. But Riley Sager had this on his, like, summer recommendations list. So I was like, I'm on it, dude. So I went through his whole, like, summer recommendations and I did a whole video about it. Um, It's probably my favorite video that I've made this year. Um, but I read like five novels that Riley Sager recommended. This is one of them. And it's the only reason I picked it from book of the month, but this is about Ike and Buddy Lee, who are two ex-cons with little else in common other than their criminal past and a love for their dead sons. Um, they end up banding together in a desperate desire for revenge because at the very beginning of the novel, we're at the funerals of their sons and, um, Their sons were gay, obviously, and now they are on a quest to do better for their sons in death than they did in life. Um, Hardened men like Ike and Buddy Lee will confront their own prejudices about their sons, which I had that social commentary in there because they really didn't kind of agree with their son's lifestyles. And now they're kind of regretting that and with like each other because um, one of them is black and one of them is white. Um, So that was a very 
interesting balance and talks about prejudices and just the language that we use that we don't think is really, you know, like racially related. And it is and it just had but it did seamlessly weave those things together um, as they rain down vengeance on those who hurt their boys. Let me just say bloody, gory action movie. This one goes there. <laughs> I mean, it, I mean, there is people dying. There is guns. There is death. There is a high body count in this one. And I feel like I really do like those high octane thrillers because it feels like an action movie. You're on the edge of your seat. You're like, oh my gosh, let's go. And I mean, these two characters along with the social commentary and the representation and just these two guys became friends. It was great. I, I like, I cannot stop thinking about this book. I want another Ike and Buddy Lee book. I don't care what they're doing. I just want them to go do another action movie. You know, like that's how I feel with this one. I am so, I will never forget this book um, for as long as I live. Your favorite book of yes. 2021. <laughs> ah! <laughs> okay. I'm so excited. So I saw this book on your list of uh, your listeners favorite books okay. so I know it's a lot of people's favorite book this year it is Project Hail Mary by Andy Weir uh, so good so this is a an adult science fiction book it is about um, this man who wakes up in this space shuttle or whatever it's called Ship. like a spacecraft. <laughs> yeah. he, he wakes up in space um, and he's completely alone and he has no memory of who he is or why he's there hmm. and it goes from there that's like page one and it's I don't remember like a 500 page book or something wow. so it's very long and it just goes and it's so good classic Andy Weir where he puts a lot of humor into his sci-fi so I know a lot of people hear sci-fi if they're not sci-fi readers and they're like no that sounds so boring and dry I don't want to read that but Andy Weir books are just like they're funny they're approachable and there's is a lot of science in there so if you do like that it's in there because it makes it feel very realistic, you know, and he's actually talking through his problems and how he's solving them. So that's fun. But he's also like, God damn it, that didn't work. Like he's, you know, yeah. making jokes himself about what it, what he's going through. If you've read other Andy Weir books, he's read or he's written The Martian and then Artemis are his two previous books. It's classic Andy Weir where it's along the same vein, but it's a very different story. So if, you know, you feel like you've already read The Martian, why do I need to read another space book? It's different. And it's a spoiler to say why it's different, but it's just so good. If anyone has like any remote interest in sci-fi, this is like the best sci-fi. It's, you know, still easy to understand and digest, but it's again, cool to think about like, what if you were in space and you woke up and you yeah, had no I idea mean, that, why what, you were there? Like, what? what no. Yeah. What steps would you take or what would this guy take? You know, he's a very intelligent man, obviously. So, or maybe that's not obvious, but he is a very intelligent man. So he... He, methodic he methodically works his way through figuring out why he's there. Um, and it's really cool. It's a great book. My number one book of the year is Since We Fell by Dennis Lehan, which, what? <laughs> like some <laughs> off the wall, like old backlist book from an author that I've never read anything by. Hmm is my favorite book of the year. And this is why I was like, it's so crazy that like the push and Razorblade Tears is like, you know, two and three. And here we come with Since We Fell by Dennis Lehan. I, okay, first of all, 
I didn't read the synopsis of this book going in. It was a book of the month pick from way back when I picked it up at the book exchange. It was sitting on my shelf and I was like, I need to get through some of these book of the months. I picked it up at the beginning of the year. I read it and I was like, whoa, whoa. I am interested in picking up this other, this author's other works now because of this book. And I love that feeling. So I'm not going to give you too much. I'm going to give you the very brief synopsis. But let me just say, the brief synopsis that I'm giving you really isn't even where the book starts. It's just to try to like pull you in because what I loved about this book, like I said, I didn't read the synopsis, so I didn't know what to expect, is you go in and you think you're starting to read about one story and you're like, okay, this is a really cool story. But oh no, somehow along the way, and it doesn't even, it's not like a flip or a twist. It's just somewhere along the way, the book goes in a completely different direction. And you're like, how did we get here? Like, what <laughs> did I, did I skip ahead? But at the same time, like you were in it the whole time and you were enjoying it the whole time. And you're just like, this is magical. Like, yeah, like in a good happen? way. Yeah, in like, a, good, in a way. good way. <laughs> it started off in this really interesting way and it's still interesting. And now we're here and this is interesting. I mean, it, it all connects together, obviously. Rachel Childs is a former journalist who after an on-air mental breakdown now lives as a virtual shut-in. Now I'm going to tell you this breakdown does not happen until probably like halfway through the book. So it's, it's weird that this isn't even in the synopsis. Um, in all other respects, however, she enjoys an ideal life with an ideal husband. And that's kind of what you know in the beginning. Until a chance encounter on a rainy afternoon, that ideal life starts to fray. And that's where I'm going to leave it. So it starts with her being curious about her father. She know, you know, She knows her mother. She doesn't know who her father is. And she's like, okay, I really need to find out who my father is. And so you're, you're interested in that. Okay, you don't know who your father is. Let's find out who he is, you know? So you're like, all right. And you're reading that story. And then somehow she has this chance encounter. And then it, nothing becomes of it at first. You know, you're just like, oh, okay, this is cool. Is it going to go in that direction? And then it doesn't. And just goes in this other direction. And by the end, you're like, what? What just happened? How did we, how did we start looking for a father? <laughs> to be honest, I don't even know if she ever found her father. But... <laughs> Because it's not even what it's about. It's just so crazy. Oh, I'm so If you curious. have read this book, anybody out there listening, please tell me that I'm not crazy and that this is an awesome book. In January, January 18th, I wrote my review. I said, whoa, okay, let me take a breath. Woo. I think I just read my first favorite book of 2021. And it lasted it stayed. <laughs> and so I just, cool. I said, what a freaking ride. Um, oh, author Kristen Hannah blurbed it. And she said, once you pick up a Dennis Lee hand novel, you're hooked. Well, she wasn't wrong. <laughs> I'll tell you wow. that. Um, I said, I went in with very low expectations. Um, and then, yeah, I was just so easily immersed in the story. Oh, the writing, the plot, the characters. That sounds mm. so good. Was that a book of the month book? Yes. Okay, I should add that I on. said it starts interestingly <laughs> enough about our main character, Rachel, trying to persuade her mother to tell her who her father is. Her mother never revealed his identity. And after her mother dies, Rachel, as an adult, hires a private investigator to help her. Oh, what humble beginnings. Those were our worst 
and best books of the year. But we still have more to this episode, believe it or not, as much as we <laughs> raved about that. Um, so I didn't do this last year, but I thought it would be a lot of fun and a new tradition to award some bookish superlatives to highlight books that might not have made it onto our best and worst of the year list. We're going to do a couple of these. If you have suggestions for next year, let me know. I'll put it on the list for next year. But we're going with these for this year, starting with the most popular to the book with the most ratings on Goodreads. I have two answers for this because my first answer is To Kill a Mockingbird by Harper Lee, which is a classic. So of course that has the most people who read it, you know, but then I was like, okay, but what's my most popular 2021 release? Um, And so that would be People We Meet on Vacation by Emily Henry. Yes, that was also my most popular. So congratulations to People (laughs) We Meet on Vacation. People loved it. Yeah, I think obviously the popularity of it being you know, a book of the month pick and a follow-up book that was really popular last year. Um, And also it won the Goodreads Choice Award uh, for Romance. So yeah, I was really happy to see it do so well. Yeah, I'm glad it's one we both really enjoyed. Next is Most Likely to Succeed, a book you'll be talking about for years to come and recommend all the time. Tried to find something else that wasn't on my favorites. But I just can't. That book, Subcutanean, that one, the permutational novel with all the versions, I just can't stop talking about it. It's just the coolest. I just can't not. (laughs) My most likely to succeed um, is The Matzo Ball by Jean Meltzer. And I just read it this month in, or did I read it in November? I either read it at the end of November or the beginning of December, but I absolutely loved this. It was my first Hanukkah romance story. And, and yes, I did like the romance, but there's two things that really made it stand out to me. It wasn't like one of those like classic rom-com lovey-dovey type romances. It was more of like a soulmates situation. And there's even a word that they used. I don't remember the particular word because it's, you know, Hebrew. But it's a word that they use that means like soulmates, but like it's more than soulmates. And that's what I really thought these characters were. And it was just like, oh. But the reason why it will stick out to me is because I'm always looking for holiday books to recommend, obviously, but the main character has chronic fatigue syndrome. Never heard of that before in my life. And I've heard a lot about like chronic illnesses and pains and stuff like that. Um, But I've never heard of this one before. And it's so interesting. It's one of those things that you never know about. You hear about it, you learn about it, and then you hear it everywhere. Like I literally, I mean, someone that I know was talking about that they think they have this. And I was like, are you kidding? I know all about it now. And what's great about it is it's not like just thrown in the book. The author herself has this. And in the back of the book, she has a whole bunch of information and she used obviously her own life experiences and stuff, but she did a lot of research about it too. So it wasn't just coming just from her lens. You know what I'm saying? Even though like it's an own voices part of the story. So I just loved learning about that. I mean, it's terrible. And it sounds like chronic fatigue syndrome. It sounds like such a like throwaway like term. And that's even talked about in the book. And I was just like, wow, like true, you know? And so the balance of learning something new, something I had never heard of, uh, getting immersed in a different culture, a different religion, um, and then it being a romance and holidays. I'm like, I'm always going to be talking about this book. <laughs> Next up, yep. Most Improved, a book or series that started slow but really picked up. 
Yes. So my answer um, is a book I know you've read before. It's The Dream Daughter by Diane Chamberlain. Um, this is a historical fiction book, mostly. Um, it's about this woman who is pregnant and she lives, I don't even remember, do you remember what year she I think it was like in the 70s. In? Yeah, like the 70s or something. And she, find out, and she finds out that her baby that she's pregnant with has this condition um, that's most likely going to be fatal right? For Mm -hmm. the baby or for the mom or something. So um, she finds that out, but she also finds out that there's nothing they can really do for her because it's in the 70s. Medical technology is not that advanced yet. Um, And then somebody in her life comes to her and says, hey, I know um, I'm actually from the future and I can bring you to a time where they do have the medical technology to save your baby. And so she has to make the decision of whether or not to time travel to the future um, and to take that chance on saving her baby. For me, um, I was really interested in that, obviously, sci-fi part of it. I thought that was going to be the best part of it. And for me, it was. So it took me a little while to get through the initial kind of historical fiction part of it. I do like historical fiction, but this one just in particular, I think because I kind of knew what was coming, I just wanted to get there. So the beginning felt a little slow, but once you get there, Things happen. It gets kind of crazy in that book. Um, And it was great. I also really liked it. I think it was on my five-star list. So it was under consideration for being on my, you know, top five of the year. Uh, Ultimately, it wasn't, but it it really picked up and I really ended up loving it. So my most improved goes to Always in December by Emily Stone. And this is one that I just read this month. I haven't really talked about it anywhere, but man, oh, man. What an improvement (laughs) because I wasn't really liking this book. In fact, it was probably like a three-star book. I was like, okay, great. Um, It is like a British, you know, holiday story um, set in London and, you know, all this. And I'm just kind of like, okay, you know, like it's an average holiday story. You know, it's a romance, nothing new, nothing different's happening. She's, you know... She bumps into this guy. They start hanging out. They kind of like each other. And then there's like this back and forth, like, you know, they nothing ever becomes of it. They don't become like boyfriend, girlfriend. And then, you know, months go by and they bump into each other again. And then, so it's kind of like this like faded love story or whatever. By the end of this book, when I tell you I was ugly crying, I had to get out of the bed because I was finishing it at night in bed. My husband was asleep beside me. You know, he had work the next day. I had to get out of the bed and come into the office and ugly cry because I was rocking the bed like with my sobs. I was like, and, it, and I do not read the synopsis of this one, you guys, because I, I don't do that. I read like the very little bit, you know, I get like mm-hmm. the couple buzzwords and I'm done. You know, if it mm-hmm. sounds interesting, I'm like, okay, done. And since this was a holiday book, I was like, I'm in. That's I, I just saw the cover and I was like, okay, I'm in. But man, and I knew that it was about them, you know, meeting and then, you know, bumping into each other again and again. That's all I knew, literally. And then, but in the thing, it kind of does give something away. And I think even the book that it relates it to, I feel like gives some stuff away. And I was like, oh, why do they do that? Because man, if I would have read that, I don't think I would have been as impacted by the ending. But dude, I was ugly crying. And (laughs) immediately I was like, well, that's a five stars because I didn't see it coming at all. And... I mean, if you try to think about it, you're going to figure it out. But I wasn't trying to figure about it because I didn't even have an yeah. inkling that any of this was going on. And, dude, I was just, oh, oh, oh. But a lot of people are upset that this is classified as a romance. Next up, I thought this was a fun one. Class Clown, the funniest book that you read. 
I thought this was a difficult one because I don't really read yeah. funny books. Um, it was, I was scrolling through my list like, what the heck am I going to answer? <laughs> Who was like, the class clown this year? I, I don't. Yeah, nobody's funny. I don't laugh when I read books. Um, so I had to give it again to a book that I already mentioned. But Project Hail Mary, like I mentioned in, when I was talking about it earlier, Andy Weir does incorporate a lot of humor into his writing already. Um, anybody who's read Andy Weir, I think, will agree with that. So... Um, it has to be my answer because I literally don't have any other books that I think were funny at all. (laughs) So, um, my husband's really funny. Like, I think I like humorous guys. I love humor. Um, but it doesn't take me a lot to laugh just because like, I'm kind of around it all the time and I'm always laughing at my husband and I laugh at myself. Like I'm one of those people that laughs at their own jokes. Okay. This one just stuck out to me. Christmas Shopaholic by Sophie Kinsella. This character, <laughs> it's a quirky character. And I know some people hate quirky characters, but I love them because I think I'm quirky. <laughs> They're quirky, <laughs> relatable. Like the and, and I was reading this on Jessie's. You may remember Jessie from a previous episode. She's been on the podcast before, but I was doing a live reading sp- sprint with her. And I was she was like, so tell me like what the book's about. And I was like, you will not believe what this chick just did. It's Christmas time. She's shopping for her, you know, friends and family and all this. And her husband and she says, um, you know, what do you want for Christmas? And he's like, oh, I want aftershave. And so she's like, got it. So she goes to the mall or shopping wherever. And she goes up to the counter and she's smelling all these different aftershaves and stuff. And this other guy comes along and is like, what are you doing? Like, you're taking up all the time and I'm just trying to get my one thing. It's just like, I'm trying to get my husband aftershave. Thank you very much. Like, I know what I'm doing or whatever. And he's like, he wants the same aftershave that he always uses. And she's like, no, he doesn't. He wants something different and new. Like, you know, and he's like, whatever. Can I just, and he, she's like, yeah, go ahead. So he gets his aftershave. He, he leaves. And then the guy behind the counter tells her, look, lady, you can't just smell these on a piece of paper. Like aftershave interacts with people's like body chemistry and it smells different and stuff like that and so she's like oh really so he gives her this bag of like 30 different aftershaves like little samples and then that night in bed her husband has to get up for this like huge like board meeting that he has to like travel to and all of this so in the middle of the night she decides i'm gonna try all of these on him in his sleep (laughs) so she dabs all of these aftershaves on him she's like waiting for him to fall asleep she's dabbing all of these aftershaves on him and all these different places but she has to like know which ones are which so she can like smell them afterwards and see which ones smell the best so she uses a sharpie to indicate on his body and write on his body like codes like r or q or s or t or whatever to indicate which aftershave it is and of course a mishap happens and he wakes up and he's like what are you doing and she's like oh it was like a moth and he's like a moth what and then he notices these letters all over his body and he's like what is going on and she's like no it's no biggie i mean it's not permanent he's like you wrote on me with a Sharpie. And she's like, it's not the permanent Sharpie. It's the blue one. And he's like, all of the Sharpies are permanent. She's like, no, they're not. I'm like, this chick is an idiot. So now he, he runs to the bathroom and he's like, what the heck? I have all of these letters all over me. And I just thought that was hilarious. I'm like, what a dummy. Like, I love stuff like that. So that's, that's just one example of the shenanigans that she gets up to. She just <laughs> she has the biggest heart, though, and I think that's what I also like. Is she's just trying to do the right. She's just trying to find the perfect aftershave for him, you know. <laughs> she's but, like, just dumb. She's dumb. <laughs> <laughs> like, all Starbies are permanent. So 
I loved it. I laughed out loud like several times while reading it. And it was a recent That's read, impressive. so it kind of stuck out. So most unique. It could be like the plot, the character, the writing. So my answer for this is Blackout, and it's by a ton of authors. It's by Danielle Clayton, Tiffany D. Jackson, Nick Stone, Angie Thomas, Ashley Woodfolk, and Nicola Yoon. Um, It's a collection of short stories, and all of those authors are women of color. Mm -hmm. So this is unique because it's definitely unique for my reading. I don't really read short stories in general, uh, but I also feel like it's unique because Um, You know, these are women of color coming together to write a short story collection, which I don't know of a ton of those. There probably are others. It's, um, you know, I don't think it's probably the only one out there, but I do think they were trying to do something, you know, different that doesn't already exist in the world. Um, It's also kind of unique because the way it works, um, I can't actually remember whose it is. I think it might be Tiffany D. Jackson's or Angie Thomas, but they have um, their story like goes throughout the whole book. And then all of the other authors have short stories that are like interjected in between that longer short story. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, Um, but it's like it starts with one story, goes to a different one, goes back to that first story, goes to a different one, goes back to that first story, a different one. So it was an interesting reading experience because it was like all of these short snippets. um, They're all kind of like love stories uh, centered around. A New York City blackout. So they're all happening, you know, in the same place. There's a little bit of like intertwining, you know, where characters from one show up very in cool. another story, things like that. So it was, um, yeah, very different for me, something I'd never read before, but I thought I'd pick it up because I knew of a couple of these authors and I was like, well, yeah, why not? This will be really quick to read. So it was cool. It was unique. Um, and I think unique for a couple different reasons. All right. Mine is Things Have Gotten Worse Since We Last Spoke by Eric LaRocca. And I was actually like, I didn't think I had one for this, but man, this book just sticks out to me. It's one of those horror novellas that I read this year. It's told completely like it's like back in the 2000s where like I am and instant messenger and emails was like the way to communicate, you know, and it is told completely that way. Um, and it starts off innocently enough with this woman listing a heirloom apple peeler for sale. She loves this apple peeler. It's been in her family forever, but she has no use for it anymore. And she's like, okay, let me, you know, pass this on to someone that's going to take care of it. So she almost wants to like vet the person that's going to buy this apple peeler. So they start exchanging things and it just goes from there. And it is crazy. It is the most <laughs> bizarre book I, I read this year. Um, and you just don't even, you can't even imagine where it goes from an apple peeler <laughs> to the end. <laughs> Biggest drama queen of the year. The overly dramatic, it could be a book or it could be a character. All right. And I love her answers for this because I'm like, well, she's <laughs> <Yes>. not wrong. <laughs> yes. Right. So who is your biggest drama queen? My biggest drama queen is Layla by Colleen Hoover. Um, I read this book right when it released. And it's another one that's like, wait, what did I just read? Um, I personally loved it. But I can say why other people are like, no, this is too different from Colleen Hoover's mm-hmm normal books like I don't want to say too much about the synopsis even because I feel like a lot of the fun of reading it is um just going in and Mm -hmm. being kind of clueless for a lot of it um 
But I guess to kind of give a synopsis, it's about this couple. I don't remember their names, um, but we get their initial meeting. Probably and how they Layla fall. is one of them. I don't know. Um, maybe. maybe. <laughs> <laughs> so it's this couple. Wait, have you read this book? Yeah. Oh, okay. Is, is Layla? I don't okay, know. I don't remember. <laughs> but I'm just guessing. <laughs> I literally don't remember their names at all. Um, but it's this couple. First, we get their initial meeting of how they like fall into this whirlwind romance, whatever. Um, and then something happens um, where they kind of grow apart or this event causes them to no longer feel like they're really in love anymore. So this guy um, takes the girl to this like cabin and it's like where they first met. And so he's hoping that it'll rekindle something with them. Uh, but things go very, very differently. And uh, that's all, that's all I'll say, but it's like the, it's just a dramatic book it because is. it's like it's a little bit like haunted house-ish. It's like what's happening here is the house haunted, but it's also like these characters are insane and in this insane situation, one character yeah. in particular is super insane. It's uh it's it's crazy and it's a big deviation from some of Colleen Hoover's other books, but I ate it up. I loved it. I, flew I did through love it, it too. because I was like, this is just so fun. Like it's so, it, it's just so dramatic. You know, you can't, you can't turn away from it. Hers is like dramatic in a good way. <laughs> Mine on the other hand, <laughs> um, I may receive some flack for this, but you know, you only live once. All right. So mine is a character and it's Jessica Miller from In My Dreams, I Hold a Knife by Ashley Winstead. Guys, she's one of those characters. If you don't know what the story's about, it's basically about a group of people that went to college. Now, 15 years later, they're going to their college reunion. And she's like one of those girls that always felt like she was in the background. And she's so much better now. And I want everybody to see me as I am now. And I was just like, come on. Like, for real? Like, supposed to be unlikable? Or you just... I don't think she's unlikable necessarily i just think that she's she's that girl that's like look at me oh my gosh i have this awesome job now and i'm wearing like armani and like uh, i'm so much better than i was in college honey everybody's better than they were in college or you don't go to the reunion the most creative again this can be like a plot a character or writing long way down by jason reynolds um i read this at the very beginning of the year, I think. But basically, this is about Holden Verse, and it's about this guy who is going down the elevator to go do something. He gets some news, and he's going to go do something. He's, like, on a mission. Uh, But as he's on his way down from this elevator, on each level, someone gets into the elevator and, like, kind of teaches him a lesson. Ah. So it's really interesting. It's like a, like, self-realization type book where... Um, you know, it kind of skews from reality because it's like long stories on each floor, like longer than an elevator. Yeah. Would take. So, you know, <laughs> you have to stretch your imagination a little bit. But I think that's where it gets its creative twist is it's like, uh, you know, getting this guy to think deeper about what he's going to go do. And if that's really the direction he wants to take with his life, oh. teaching him some lessons and things like that. And it is told in verse. So it's definitely an interesting reading experience um i listened to the audiobook which is narrated by the author oh, which is that. always the one of the best ways to consume a book i think um so 
I do think it's the most creative. I struggled with this, but I think this is a good answer. I think yeah. it's a pretty creative book. Now, mine is Watch Over Me by Nina LaCour. And I would say every single book that I've read by Nina LaCour belongs on this like most creative, but this is the one that I read this year. Watch Over Me and just her writing in the three books that I have read, I I can't describe it. It's not so much, I mean, her stories are good, yes, but it's the writing. And I never normally, as a thriller reader that loves plot-driven stories, I don't usually be like, oh my gosh, the writing was so beautiful in this one. But it's just like a dream. It's like this hazy, like dreamlike quality like a floating feeling with her writing it's just it's the descriptions the atmosphere the characters they're never info dumpy um they're not really like fast paced but they're not really like slow paced but they're kind of cozy but not really it's just this Weird, and I every single book that I have read by her, I've written the same thing in my review that it's just like dreamlike, hazy, weird quality. I don't know. Feel like it was real at the time, but afterwards you're like, that's crazy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. That's how her writing is, and it's so hard to separate in just for me to separate like the plot of the book and the writing because I usually do not do that because the story wasn't really crazy or different I mean it was actually a really good story I enjoyed this one but the writing was just like this huh how'd she do that cutest (laughs) couple and um obviously you know we make our own rules here on talk book is to me so I went a little (laughs) bit of a different direction with this but traditionally I was thinking like which romance like couple was my favorite and you know what the reason why I went a different direction to be totally transparent there were too many I couldn't decide (laughs) so I was like you know what screw it I'm going in a different direction but who was your cutest couple yes I went traditional because I didn't read that many romances so they were not that many (laughs) to pick from um but I'm gonna go with Augustus in January in Beach Read which is by Emily Henry so I've read two Emily Henry books this year um And I liked the storyline of people we meet on vacation better, which we've talked about because it was more like vacation-y, fun. I liked the settings. Um, But Beach Read, I really liked the couple more. Um, And I think it's because Augustus, the male, sounds more like the type of guy I would be attracted to because he's kind of like quiet and broody. I want to say intelligent, but that's not right. But, you know, he's just intentional with like intellectual and and um, intentional with the words he says and things like that. He's a little more serious. So I liked them because they were also going through some real life stuff um, in their in their romance mm-hmm. in their beach vacations. Yeah. Um, so it's a little more serious. So I really liked them as a couple. Um, so they are my cutest couple. Oh, I went a different route. Like I said, um, this duo that I'm about to tell you about is freaking iconic. They will forever be my faves. And that is Ike and Buddy Lee from Razorblade Tears. I mean, <laughs> guys, they're iconic. Like these guys would never in a million years ever cross paths if it weren't for their sons. Again, two ex-cons, two dead sons, revenge. 
That's all you need to know. But they are iconic. I want, I, you know, like when you see those action movies and they usually have like 20 parts to them. They're like, part one, yeah. two, Fast and Furious, part one, two, three, four, yep. five, seven. You know, like all that. I want Ike and Buddy Lee part two. Come on, S.A. Uh. Cosby. You can do it, man. <laughs> and our final superlative of 2021, best dressed book cover because I don't know about you, but I love a good book cover. And there's certain mm-hmm. things that draw me in. Sometimes it's colors, fonts, you know, something different. But I just yes. love being a little shallow every once in a while and being like, this yes. is the best cover. Doesn't matter about the yeah. inside. We're going with the outside. Yeah, this was a fun one to scroll through Goodreads and be like, oh, there are so mm-hmm. many beautiful covers. And yeah, like you said, you don't have to think about whether you actually liked the book. <laughs> you can just be a little superficial and be like, cover though (laughs) yes so my answer is grown by Mm. tiffany jackson Mm -hmm. so let me just describe the cover for you guys so it's a beautiful bright yellow book which i love yellow books in general um there's not that many of them it's like my smallest color on my bookshelf Mm -hmm. which is rainbow colored um so it's a bright yellow color or cover and then it has this really beautiful bald black woman on the cover and she has this big shiny gold hoop earring and on my cover it's like actually shiny it looks metallic it's just so pretty and I love that the spine is yellow so and the letters are gold and shiny on the spine Mm -hmm. so it looks so good on the bookshelf it's definitely a cover that I look at and I'm like whoa that is I know it's (laughs) it's one of those covers you could take off the title take off the author and you would know that's grown by Tiffany D. Jackson oh yeah because it's just it's stunning mm-hmm. it's so pretty it's like she's in profile so you can see her earring and stuff i do that was actually mm-hmm. one of my contenders actually yeah it's a good um, one it's a good one <laughs> it's a good one but ultimately i had to go with malibu rising by taylor jenkins reed and while i think that all of the covers that i have seen are really really pretty i really do prefer the u.s cover the best surprisingly i love the beach obviously And just the ocean with the surfers, the color, the font choice colors, all of that. It just reminds me of summer. And I love summer. So, I mean, it's just, I love everything about it. But Malibu Rising. I love that cover too. Yes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And that's a wrap on season two of Talk Bookish to Me. Thank you so much for joining me today, Jordan. It was so much fun. Uh, Thank you so much for having me. (laughs) I'm a little long-winded, but it's fine. We got there. (laughs) (laughs) We got there. Just a reminder, her social media will be linked in the description of this episode. Now it's time to head over and follow me on Talk Bookish Podcast. You can also join the Night Owls on Patreon for extra episodes, behind-the-scenes content, and more. That link will also be in the notes. And all of my current patrons already know of the big change happening in 2022. So keep your eyes peeled for the reveal. As always, I appreciate all ratings and reviews. It helps the podcast reach new listeners. Spread the word about Talk Bookish to me for your friends, your family. If you have a book club, definitely mention us over there. I will be back in two weeks. It's so crazy to kick off season three on January 10th. Until next time, happy reading. Woo! Woo! <laughs> <laughs>